Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyo Lee, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast about helping lovers help love one another, where sparks of mutual inspiration fly. As always, please keep your sexy thoughts about me and our guests to yourself, no matter how wonderfully perverted they are. Go listen to the outro if you want to connect and enjoy. Our guest today is a 22-year-old cis white Canadian female. She is asexual and gray romantic, a single Pringle, which is a term I have to say, I love. Uh, it's a great description. It also makes me wonder if someone is about to eat you or if you are high, like dropped under a couch or something. Um, <laughs> she's into intimacy, especially emotional intimacy. A librarian from Toronto, Canada. Welcome, Ivy. Thank you. I would like to know first, if you had to rate yourself on a sexual shame-o-meter with 10 being the most full of shame and one being not so shamey, where do you fall today in this moment? I think I'd probably rate myself around a four. I would say the shame that I experience is far more related to not being as sexual as I feel expected to be. And that's, I think, an interesting thing that I certainly have noticed within the ace community and, and various friends of mine who are ace is like, it's the shame that we feel because, you know, someone as pretty as you wouldn't want sex. Like, oh, that's such a shame. You're such a, like, that's such a waste. Oof. Or things like, that as a woman you've been brainwashed by the patriarchy to think that women aren't sexual beings that you aren't capable of sexual liberation and if only you could like depatriarchy your mind you'd be able to be sexually liberated and enjoy it do people say stuff like that to you yes Ooh. genuinely yes it's interesting because the instances where it's really 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 overt tend to be few and far between mm. but all of the time people are constantly <laughs> backtracking and backpedaling in their language to be like oh well you know I, I i didn't mean that because you're asexual you're not sexually liberated i didn't mean that and i'm like but you literally just said that like 
it's this interesting thing where I think people have this view of what tyrannic sex looks like because so much in recent culture has been about decreasing the amount of shame that people feel for being sexually free and like sexually active and all that jazz. Yeah. And so it's very much like I have never felt shame for doing sexual things or like like dressing in a certain way. I have 100% felt shame for not doing that. <sighs> oh, humans. I know, right? Like being a woman, people talk about like the virgin whore paradigm where like you can't win either way. And very much I feel stuck in that loop of like I can't win. Yeah. Because you know what? To all those, I don't know, like people who are very close-minded with their idea of what like sexual adventureness should be. I'm like, yeah, great. I'd fit in great at church where you're like sex is only for baby making because like I'm not at the type of person who's constantly going out and seeking it. So on the one hand, I fit in there. But on the other hand, I'm like, it's not because I'm repressed. It's not because I have grown up in this very close-minded cultural environment. It's just who I am. And I shouldn't feel shame because of that. How do we even know why anything is, you know, really? These are such big questions. I'm so excited to, like, hear more about your formative details. First, I'm going to ask you my overview questions. And I would love to hear if maybe we can noodle on how to modify them to fit your experience the best. So normally I ask people what their sex life is like right now and what is their favorite part. I kind of want to also rewind before we get to like what we would change that to. It's just like, what is your definition of sex? How do you understand sex as it fits into your personal life? That's a great question. And I think it's something that I am definitely still trying to figure out myself. I think one thing that I really struggled with growing up was this whole idea that like people seem to constantly say like, I like someone and they mean it romantically and sexually like together. How do you know that? Well, this is the thing is like, as a kid, I was constantly misunderstanding. I'd be like, Oh great. You you like that person. And then like going into high school, it became very clear to me that there was something that I was almost like missing in the sense of people would say something and I'd be like, but like, why, what do you mean? You you, you, you want to be alone in a room with this person. Mm. I don't get it. And like, what do you mean? You just want to feel their hands on your body. Like why? I don't, I, what? And I think that's something that everyone can struggle with at times. But to me, it's especially difficult to sort of discern between like platonic attraction, romantic attraction, sexual attraction, because in like our very heteronormative allosexual culture, we're constantly saying that like the way we differentiate is between like platonic and romantic is by using sexual attraction. Like, do I want to bone this person? Yes, they are a romantic interest. Do I not want to? They are a platonic interest. And like, that's a gross oversimplification that I know not everyone experiences. But I feel like my childhood (laughs) was very much just like going through and like, especially high school was going through life in this state of like, what is platonic? What is romantic? How do I differentiate when I don't feel any sexual attraction to anyone? What the hell do I do now? Mm. And as a result, I also feel like I just don't have a firm definition of what a sexual attraction is because it's it's the absence of it, right? For you? It's this. 
Yeah, for it's okay. Me, that's it's- perfect. Because okay, so that's so that actually gets to my next question: is like, what's your understanding of your own sexuality? Can you give us your definition of asexual and gray romantic? So I would say my my own definition of asexuality is very much just the absence of experiencing sexual attraction towards people. So do you find that problematic for yourself? Like having to define it by like lack of what other people experience? Like, how does that feel to you? (laughs) It feels weird. And it's one of these things where the longer, like I've known that I was ace since grade nine. And I feel very lucky that I found out that early and sort of came across the term because I've had a while to live with it and be like, yeah, no, this, this is me. This makes sense. And I feel very comfortable in it now. I think to me, it means the lack of sexual attraction in the sense that I personally don't experience a lot of like sexual arousal mentally, Mm -hmm. if at all. Mm -hmm. Like I've never met anyone who I've been like, oh yes, I would like to have sex with you. It's very much for me, I meet people and I'll be like, oh, you're beautiful. And I want to like spend time looking at you. Hmm. Do I really want to see you with your clothes off? No, don't really care about that. I just want to look at your beautiful face. And it's again, it's hard to explain because for me, I've never experienced sexual attraction. So my Hmm. understanding of what it is, is going off of sort of allosexual descriptions of, you know, like having a crush and feeling like hot and bothered and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I have no idea what that means. I guess sexual attraction is like when you're sweaty. (laughs) Like when you're sweaty and you don't think very straight and you do some dumb stuff, that's sexual attraction and people like it. (laughs) Hot and bothered? Okay, okay. How do I, like, it's so hard to try and pinpoint how you feel and to try and pinpoint the definition and your own experience when... No, but your definition, like you're your own expert. And that's why I love asking people their sex work. Okay, wait, but I have like so many things I want to ask you about. But first, I wanted to, I guess, reveal my own ignorance, which is fine because I'd like to remind people I'm not here to give advice or be a teacher. I'm here to like not know stuff and try to figure it out by talking to people one-on-one because it's my favorite thing to do. Uh, It's pleasurable for me. Are you saying alosexual? I don't know this word. Can you help me? I'm, I'm about to be 33. I'm much older and I didn't grow up with TikTok and I'm still trying to learn it. Oh, it's good. I don't I don't use social media. I'm a bit of a Luddite. Amazing. <laughs> okay, so how do you learn these cool things? Because you do know a lot of stuff. Libraries. So, well, this is... <laughs> thank you. Well, <laughs> a lot of this Like, I have been somewhat active within the asexual community for a yeah. long time. Where? The big asexuality, like, website is called AVEN. It's the Asexual Visibility and Education Network. And it was founded, I think, in the 2000s by David J. And it has basically like tons of forums and questions and various resources and stuff for people who are confused and or they're dating someone who identifies as asexual and or they have a family member. Like there's a whole network of things. And it's interesting because I think it's this very small little pocket of the internet. But if you're in it, then you learn things. And allosexual, so A-L-L-O, sexual, just means someone who like does experience sexual attraction. So when we say that, you know, you're heterosexual, like allosexual would be sort of the umbrella term above Mm -hmm. that encapsulating everyone who experiences it. So when I say allo, it's, it's kind of like saying like cisgender, but allosexual. Okay. It's a, it's a binary opposition to asexual. Yeah. Got it. Does gray romantic mean that like you experience connection with people and do you experience pleasure that's not? just like out in the world, like about life at all? So 
I would say gray romantic for me is this idea that like, first of all, I have total confusion understanding the difference between platonic and romantic attraction mm-hmm. because like what the hell how am I supposed to know I also don't understand that I'm just very horny so I have like a lot I can really connect with that idea and I think that's why I'm still single and I'm like well I'm giving up on that part but I just am at the other end of the spectrum where I'm like touch me touch me touch me touch me can't get enough touches that makes sense to me which is just a, a difference in preference but I feel you on the confusion so what does gray mean maybe I'm gray romantic for me gray is like it's a it's a blanket term that encapsulates anywhere in between where you're like instead of being like completely aromantic, you can experience it sometimes. You think maybe oh. is she? Could it be? I get it. Aromantic, gray romantic. I did not yeah. hear that the first time. Cute. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like you can be gray sexual as well. So that's it's often for people who don't identify as entirely asexual or they're like this one time I felt it and it was super weird, but it's happened mm. once. Okay. And so I don't know. Got it. And I like it because it's just, it's a label that is so encapsulating and I don't have to spend all of my time, as you'd say, like noodling, yeah. but like, oh my God, what does that mean? I have to overanalyze every single emotion that I'm feeling and then mm. put myself into little boxes. Mm-mm. Like it's this wonderful way of being like, yeah, I can just exist as this. And this is generally what I am, but like, I don't need to be pinning it down. So are you a person who would like, well, A, would you desire partnership at all? And if you did, would you want that partner to like, you know, is that an invitation to be like, what is the experience like now? Like, is it kind of like a signal of like everything is possible? Maybe, but probably not. Yeah, I think that's a really great way of putting it in terms of this idea that, yeah, like anything's possible. I'm open to it. I am open to being in somewhat romantic relationships with people. To me, it's not my be all and end all. And in terms of my relationships, I say I'm a single Pringle and that's because I'm living my best life (laughs) eating my Pringles. Fuck yeah. There's a common joke within the ACE community, which is like sex. I'd rather eat cake. And as a result, one of the symbols of asexuality, so to speak, is like a slice of cake that's the colors of the ace flag, which is just great. Like, to me, that's very true in the sense of I'm like, both of these things are, you know, good body experiences where you're like, you know, you can feel very good when you're having sex. You can feel very good eating a piece of cake. But at the same time, if I had to choose which one I'd go for, most of the time I'd pick the cake because that's who I am. And if you want the sex, that's great. I'll just eat your cake for you. That is a good point. I did start having a lot more sex after my body started rejecting sugar. So so first, I just love everything you said because what I'm actually doing with sex stories is branching out above it to include all of our like creative pieces and also in an effort to sort of just see sex as part of the like holistic part of our wellness, however it shows up for us. Because sexual freedom ultimately is about choosing not to have it. Also, you know, it's the freedom of no, it's the freedom of what the fuck makes me feel good right now. So I would love to hear what in your life brings you the most pleasure to your physical 3D body or mental pleasures or nose pleasures, eye pleasures, ear pleasures. That's how my dominatrix character, who is a creativity dominatrix, is going to be inviting people to participate in the 3D world. (laughs) What are the pleasures that bring you the greatest joy right now? I think in terms of especially like bodily pleasures, like my favorite moment of being in my body is after I've had a a nice hot shower and like washed my hair and I'm just lying in bed Mm -hmm. and basically going through my body and doing a check. And I find that Mm -hmm. 
my body is very tingly in general. So when I focus on things, it tends to tingle. And I really enjoy thinking and immersing myself in those bodily sensations. This is an interesting thing, but like, I think why I like that more than sex is like sex is a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of ways, you know, it's exercise. Mm-hmm. It's involves either like yourself or other people. It takes effort in a lot of ways. And I really like just sort of the, like the bodily centering that comes from that stage where you're like oh, dozing off, completely mm-hmm. relaxed. Are you a meditator? I am not. I've been meditating for almost 2000 days in a row now. And so like I take deep pleasure in it because the only times I ever used to stop and rest was before sleeping or right after waking up. And now I like make a point of doing it. And I like I actually am able to understand that. I also love that the tone of your voice for all of those things that you listed very clearly says those are annoying things, effort and moving a body and needing another person. And for many other people, that's like what they fucking want. And so I just like love, I'm just appreciating like the difference. And I just, it's beautiful, beautiful. I love that you enjoy your body so much. Well, it's very much like within the ACE community, we talk about there's sort of the spectrum of like, you can be sex positive or sex negative, which is referring mostly to like your outlook on sex and culture. So sex positive being like, you're chill with people having healthy sex in whichever way they want to and you're open-minded about what other people do and sex negative being like you only think that people should be having sex in a specific scenario and i would say i'm very sex positive i love that people go out and have wonderful amazing sex that's amazing but at the same time in my personal like sex life and feelings There's the other spectrum that we talk about, which goes from like sex favorable to sex averse or sex repulse. And like, I am a hundred percent like towards the sex repulsed, sex averse end of that. In terms of I can have sex, I can enjoy sex. But also if I think about it, I get all like icky. It's this weird thing in my mind where I'm like, if you enjoy it, that's fantastic. Just like people have like taste aversion or like texture aversion. I can't touch velvet. If sex was like velvet, I would never want you to have it if that's how it felt to you. That's horrible. And I can use my mind powers when I was a photographer to like adjust a velvet jacket or like hand a thing if I had to. It would be okay. I wouldn't die. But it was like. Yeah, you're still like if you think about it, you're like not being like, okay, I'm just not going to think about it. I'm just really passing the velvet thing over my mind is elsewhere, then you're like, okay, I can do this. But if you're constantly like thinking like, oh my God, this is velvet, this is velvet, this is velvet, then like, of course you're not going to have a good time. Yeah. And I think that's one of these things to me where I'm like, oh yeah, one of my favorite experiences I've ever had about sex was a conversation with an asexual friend. And it was very recently after we'd both had sex for the first time. And we were both like, oh man, that was interesting. She responded with, yeah, I'm not sure I would do it again. It just felt so fleshy. And it was this feeling of like, oh my God, yeah, that's exactly what it felt like. It felt fleshy. Like it felt like weirdly, intimately connected, but like not just like the intimate connection. It like It's like the physical fleshiness of it and like the sweat and the, the lubrication and discharge. Like there's, there's so many sensations. Yeah. And definitely when I look at my sex life, like, I'm like, um, like, I'd rather not. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. If I'm thinking about it, I get freaked out because I'm like, I don't like it. Do you feel that way in your regular body normally or is it only sex specific? 
No, it's normally as well. I would say like I am someone, I'm not a very touchy person. And that's not to say that I don't like desire like physical intimacy, like cuddling or being close to someone because I do. But I tend to prefer it when it's closed. And to me, it's just, it's a level of comfort. I don't like feeling sweaty myself. I don't like feeling other people's sweatiness. And that's just like a preference that I have as a person, I guess. It especially translates into sex because it's like, this is, you know, the epitome of like being naked and pressing skin against skin, which is great. And a lot of people really like it. And that's Mm -hmm. fantastic. And it can feel really good. And that's amazing. But at the same time, I kind of would rather not. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. Okay, so I'm hearing bodies in general not good, definite preference for clothing. That's so funny, too. One of my friends had a baby, and when the baby was born, baby does not like to be naked. And it wasn't like a temperature thing. It was like whatever, you know, and so that natural preference is there. And again, I'm at the opposite end of the spectrum where I'm like, they feel constricting. and But I also can relate to the feeling of like, I used to have a thing where I didn't like it if my skin touched itself. So I would be like this at night and I couldn't have like any of my limbs touching themselves. So I can relate to that. Here's a question for you though. Massages, are you like, no, don't fucking massage me? Or are you like- Massages are the best. Oh, you like them? Do you, even naked? You'll be naked for them? Or yeah, the undies? I'll be naked for okay. them. And I have no issues with that. And I feel like the big difference for me is first of all, that I don't have to touch the other person. Okay. And like, also, I'm not looking at it or seeing it. It's yeah, it's that different part of my mind. Yeah, yeah. And is it? It's like relaxing to you, or is it just yeah. pleasure for your body sensationally? Like, is it also it's a mind both. pleasure? It's both. Great. Yeah, it is. Oh, that's so cool. And I think it's very much one of these things for me where it does feel like because there's nothing expected of me whatsoever. So my job is to lie there and to yes. feel good. Totally. And I'm okay with doing that. And like that feels really good. But part of it is like that there's zero expectation that it's going to get anywhere like romantic or sexual or that it means anything because it doesn't. It's someone's job. And the entire point of it is to relax your muscles and feel good. And that is exactly what I'm able to feel as opposed to, I think, in so many of the other like physical intimacy interactions that we have with people in our lives because people tend to be closer Mm -hmm. and we tend to have like not as transactional relationship, right? Oh, yeah. Figuring out the human stuff. Yeah. Fuck that. Exactly. The human stuff is scary. So yeah. when you take that out of the equation, I can be a lot more comfortable and relaxed. Yeah. That makes because sense. Because it's like, okay, there's a clear boundary. I get it. Yep. And I don't need to worry about it anymore. But then take that into my personal life. And then I'm like, oh, God, like, I'm perfectly content cuddling. That's great. But do you expect it to lead to something else? Because if you do, then we need to have a conversation. And then you might lie in the conversation and not be honest because, you know, you might have a hidden agenda. Because people are people. people. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you, are you up for like a fantasy noodle question? Because this is my favorite game to play. Okay. In a scenario where you are really good friends with another person who is also ace and, and like, you know, for like, you're both like, you are friends because you met through blah, blah, blah. But that person loves giving massages and you maybe like each other, but you're maybe both in the same kind of like gray exploration area of like, I don't know. Would you be able to enjoy receiving a massage from that person if they were like, I love giving massages. Do you want to try this? Or would that veer into the territory of like, I don't know. I think it would be good. Like it would be fine. Okay. The one thing I would caveat to that, I would say is like, 
if it was something where they were like, yeah, I, I love massages. I'll give you one and then you give me one. No, no. In this fantasy, there's no reciprocation. Then, yeah. Honestly, okay. I feel like in many ways, what I've really loved about your podcast is when you talk about how your own experience of just like being touched and like having sexual experiences that are entirely like focused on you having pleasure and fun in whatever way that looks like. I was like, ooh, see, that sounds cool. Yeah. I, I could definitely go for like a nice sensual like massage where it's all about me. That sounds lovely. That sounds like the the best like sexual experience I've ever heard of. Why can't we do more of that in our day-to-day lives? Yeah. To me, it's one of these things where I'm like, yeah, that sounds nice. But then I feel like I'm getting into this whole thing. Like, am I just being selfish? Do I just want to be massaged everywhere? I'm like, yeah. I get it. So it is that similar, but again, opposite side of the spectrum, fear around reciprocity that actually makes me, not makes me, allows me to really enjoy submission. Because if someone else is there and in charge and I like them, like I know, you know, I know when I'm horny and what I, what I want to do. The reason I ask you that question in the first place is basically I'm trying to figure out how to express to my platonic friends, hey, I really like touch and I don't have enough of it in my life because I'm a single person. I also understand that most people in my life are like, ah, the the sexy one, it can't touch me. So I'm in this weird bubble where like fans are like, sometimes I get weird messages from the internet, but then like trying to date regular people, they get scared of me. And then like my platonic friends, I'm like, could I just give you a back rub? And they're like, no, I know what you're up to. And I'm like, no, I'm just trying to pet you, you know? And so it's interesting because the people that I end up touching the most physically are you know are close it's like, i mean it sounds weird but it's my sister like i'll just give her arm tickles or like play with her hair or like whatever and so you know that cultural observation that you're making it's just so funny because i'm on the other end of it where i'm like no i'm not trying to do the thing but i also understand that weird expectation of like is there going to require more and it's it's just so funny because in my whole life i've been like no i'm trying to get there and i'm I just feel so opposite of you. I still do want to ask you some of the regular questions to hear your telling of it from your perspective. So I would like to hear first what you remember from the very beginning about sex. When did it enter your awareness? How did it enter your awareness? How was it taught to you? It very much entered my awareness and was taught to me in like elementary school, sex ed, and then through just sort of talking to other kids about it and like Usually it actually wouldn't be talking to other kids. It would be other kids talking and me just being there. Yeah. I have very vivid memories of being in elementary school. I went to like an all-girls elementary school. And so like they sat us down and they played one of those videos that like weirdly feel like they're from the 80s, even though they're made in always. the 2000s. Yes. They always feel like they're from It's the like 80s. the same people produced them 20 years later. And they're like, we know the tried and true formula. Uh-huh. And with like the same film equipment and everything. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, it's the videos of a class that's getting their sex ed conversation. And so it's like this whole meta thing of like, you're in a real class watching a fake class get a sex ed thing. And then they get to the point in the video where it's like, and the boys go to one classroom and the girls go to the other classroom. And like, just sitting there with this room full of girls and the teacher being like, uh, yeah, um, I guess we'll just like, ignore that part of it. And we were like, okay. (laughs) like all right it was much more learning about 
I think like especially like the female anatomy and all that kind of stuff and then like the next year we watched the same video and that time we got to see the boys half of it as well okay I would say like basically my entire conception of sex when I was really young was just like I don't get it I don't understand how it works and like further than that like why do people do it yeah what is this thing and it was great I remember my fourth grade teacher at the time when we had like our first sort of like sex education lesson she was five months pregnant and I was like okay we've just learned in sex ed that in order to get pregnant someone must have sex and I was like okay and like I spent like a week thinking about how and why she would have had sex with her husband and being like this is not computing I don't understand how I don't understand why and then like my ultimate conclusion was it must have just been like an absolute accident where mm. they're sleeping in the same bed and they rolled together in yeah. their sleep and then ta-da she was magically pregnant and like that is very much like how my brain was like yep this doesn't make sense we're just gonna try and make sense of it as, as I reflect on my early experiences and how much of a curiosity pull and like kind of like lit up feeling I used to get from the curiosity around sex. Did you have awareness that like there was this other thing that other people were pulled toward? Because I know what it's like to be a human. It's like, I know there's a human thing happening here that I don't get, but they seem to get it. Like, what was it like for you? Like, at what point did you understand that there was this like thing that other people were like operating from very strongly? I think more into high school. Okay. And a huge part of that is I think as you like go throughout puberty, People definitely have this opinion of like, as kids, people aren't sexual. Like kids aren't sexual. You don't think about sex and you're not sexually active, which is like. That's not true based on all of my anecdotal research and personal experience. (laughs) No, but people have that conception. And then once you like sort of hit high school, they're like, oh, now they're going to like be suddenly aware of sex. And it's this trope of like, you know, suddenly girls are aware that boys exist and, Mm. you know that very heteronormative way and for me it just never happened (laughs) and I think that was when I really started clicking in and being like oh this wasn't just me being you know a nice little eight-year-old not being able to understand the adult thing this is like more of a personal thing in terms of everyone around me is suddenly obsessed with these people that they are like sexually and romantically attracted to and I'm sitting here being like what changed I don't get it. Oh, that makes me want to make a whole new story. Like, because, you know, I'm like obsessively working on tons of just like sex ed content in the background. And I just had this vision of all of us being these little like humans and our like bodies are these little biological spaceships and they all have different clocks in them that do different magic things. And, you know, some of us are just like born magically horny, instantly interested. And then some of people do have the like hetero lovers. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health, but if proper rest, exercise, and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises, and the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. 
Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Lovers, I do believe that we can always make loving, lasting impressions by connecting and being present and chasing our pleasure and our partner's pleasure. And if your priority is making a deep, deep impression between two beautiful, enthusiastic thighs or cheeks in the name of partnered pleasure, I get it. I've worn a strap on now. I too love having a hard cock. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is BlueChew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Normative clock that goes off around 12, 13, 14, 15, you know, like, and then there's some of you that are like activated for some other, you know, your energy is directed at something else or who knows what, you know? Wow. It's so funny because in hindsight, looking back when all of my, my female friends around me started like being like, oh my God, I love Jake. Yeah. Jake is like the cutest and like obsessing over Jake nonstop. And then they, you know, you go around the circle and someone would be like, oh, I love Tom and I love Jerry. Like, and then they get to me and I'd be like, oh crap. And I'd be like yeah. going through my head because they wouldn't accept that there wasn't anyone. Right. So because they'd be like, oh, Ivy, you're just not telling us that. Right. Then I'd be like, no, it's not that. It's that genuinely <laughs> don't feel it. And they'd be like, okay. Yeah, sure. It's like getting gaslit about your own experience by well-meaning friends, but man. Yeah. So I would sit there and I'd be like, okay, let's go through all of the guys I know and let's think about someone who is nice and seems like a decent person and also totally non-threatening. And also I would be at no risk of like having to deal with at any point or like getting involved in or actually having any kind of circumstance. Be like, great. This equation equals Ben. Ben. I like Ben. Like, wink, wink. Totally Ben. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Ben uh, is the one. Mm. And they'd be like, really? Ben? And I'd be like, yep. That sounds so boring for you. Yeah. I think a lot of the people I was friends with in childhood, I very much fell out of touch with throughout high school because they were very preoccupied with sexuality and romance. And like, that's yeah. fantastic. But there was no space within their discourse in their circle for someone who didn't fit into that hetero allonormative vibe. And here I was feeling like one of these is not like the other. And I think that definitely contributed to the confusion that I felt. Yeah, it sounds really confusing. And also, do you know how much I hate being confused? It's when I'm most likely to get triggered, like out in the world when I get confused is when I'm most likely to like not lose my shit, but go to the low energy mode where I don't have energy to use my friendly gentle voice and ask a million questions to get to the bottom it's where I'm like but I don't get it you said this and then that and then when I get figure outy that's when people are like you're condescending and bad <laughs> so what was your experience like then around all of the like I mean when I try to put myself in your shoes I'm just like so all the kids stuff growing up is boring like Disney movie like do you see yourself in the media anywhere <laughs> like what how do you function? What do you get excited about? Like, short answer is no. Wow. Um, there is like zero ace representation anywhere. Yeah, it's not real ace representation. It's just non-sexual, but not a conscious choice. Just sort of like, like our politicians. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, yeah. the politicians don't have sex, but actually we just don't talk about it. And that's why it's a scandal every time a sex thing comes up. I think definitely the one very big 
point of ace representation is I think Todd from Bojack Horseman. Oh yeah. And I'm not a Bojack fan personally, but mm-hmm. I know that that has been a huge deal for so many people. That's true. But other than that, like if you Google it, there's, you know, the standard sort of list of representation. And I say that with like air quotes, mm. because like when I first was doing searches to try and find representative material when I was in high school, like the stuff that I would find is like the 40 year old virgin, mm-hmm. which, you know, is the entire plot of like, yep. hmm, man is virgin until he's 40, suddenly discovers sex and realizes it's great. Yep. Yeehaw. Yep. Like moral of the story is that that person who was celibate now is saved by sex. Yay. And that's a very common trope. And it's unfortunate because even in Riverdale, some of, I believe the original like comic artists and stuff have said that Jughead is like canonically asexual in the comics. And when they decided to make the show, like it was a talking point that people asked, I think, Dylan Sprouse, Cole Sprouse, whichever Sprouse brother is playing Jughead. Okay, the Jughead. And it was one of these things where the East community was really excited because it had seemed from the interviews that they wanted to take this opportunity to create representation. And then they just like didn't. <laughs> they like were like, no, flipping that around, Jughead is going to be as strangely sexual as the rest of the Riverdale high schoolers. And it was like, oh, like it's this constant feeling of like oh what would you love to see oh my god i would love to see just more ace representation everywhere i would love to see like a long-running tv show with a protagonist who is struggling with like what is sexuality i don't get it and then like discovers that they're ace and then is living this very happy life and also something like that which would be able to engage with and address so many of the common misconceptions because Definitely my experience and the experience that others I've met online have had is there's a common set of questions that you'll get often when you're like, oh, yes, I'm asexual from people who don't necessarily understand it. Have I asked them already? How many have I already asked? No, 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 no. you haven't. It's Do you want to tell our listeners what they are so they can know what not to ask? Yeah. So just as a PSA for everyone out there, if you're listening to sex stories, you're probably already aware of this, but. If someone identifies as asexual, please do not ask them, A, if they were sexually abused as a child, and that's the reason why. Hmm. B, if they'd had other sexual abuse, and that's the reason why. C, don't tell them that it's biologically impossible and that it doesn't make sense because every species needs to procreate for evolution. That's just very unhelpful. And a complete dismissal of your experience. Oh, yeah. Number four is uh, the classic, you know, if you haven't tried it, you can't say you don't like it. Also, again, it's this, this gaslighting. And then there's the classic, usually coming from, not to generalize, but like very sleazy men oh. being like, oh, well, you know, if you gave me a chance, I'd change your mind. Ew. <laughs> You're like, in mm. fact, that's no. Oh, man. No. I was imagining more like a little old lady being like, well, maybe you just haven't met the right one, dear. You know, like. That's another one. Because I, I get that a lot, a lot, a lot from people who don't know what a fucking whore I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's one of these things where it's like asexuality is known as the invisible orientation because yeah. Yeah. so many of us are straight passing. And because, again, there's the absence of something, people are like, okay, we'll just assume that heteronormative. Great. Cool. Yeah. There's a lot of aggressive and really hurtful 
language and interactions that come from being open about it. And again, even when this stuff comes from a place of well intent and concern, being like genuinely, you know, if someone genuinely wants to to know if like I have been sexually traumatized and that do I need help? And maybe that's what they're trying to get at when I'm saying that I'm asexual. But at the same time, like you said, it's it's gaslighting. It's completely negating the fact that this is my experience and like this is how I identify it and how I feel and how I know myself to be. And it's also, I think, really unhealthy to be constantly told and have this mindset that like, you know, it's just a phase. You'll grow out of it. You just haven't met the right person yet. Yeah. I mean, for that matter, we're always just in a phase. Like all of us are always just in a phase we will grow out of. And it's so dismissive to sort of put that value on another person. And what I'm learning more and more about humans is at the end of the day, it's just about validating what they are saying and trying to get information out of it. And I just want to go back to something you shared about, oh, maybe that person did want to help you. Well, what I've realized is people want to help me when they have built trust with me, when they have built a relationship with me, and when they've built care with me, which doesn't typically happen in a knee-jerk reaction of like, oh, you have a sex podcast, so what you're doing this weekend? You know, like that person's not like wanting to help put up shelves or whatever. Like, so it's like, yeah. How how do you respond to those people? Like, do you tell them to fuck off or do you, or, or do you kind of reflect back to them? How aren't we all just in a phase or what's your way of dealing with those people? Honestly, it depends on the, the case and the scenario. I think first and foremost, a lot of the time, I would say I'm a big believer that people will not change their behavior unless they are able to have like open and honest conversations and ask potentially yeah. like dumb questions. Yeah. And so I do try to be a very like open, non-judgmental space for a lot of my friends who aren't aware. And I think that's something that's very important to me. And so in that kind of circumstance, yeah, I'm cool with people having questions. And as long as that conversation is in a very, you know, like passive and kind and gentle and like people genuinely wanting to learn, I'm happy to have those conversations and I'm happy to have people ask dumb questions. But unfortunately, these misconceptions come from like strangers or people I don't care about. I tend to just be like, like make a awkward weird noise and be like i don't necessarily think that's the case mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. get out of there okay. and just yeah. go back and definitely the most trickier when it comes from people who you know i know and care about and who like there are a number of friends who i'd known for a while who when i came out to them said something that was really hurtful and problematic mm-hmm. and it's one of these things where like in some ways, with new friends and or with dating or anything like that, there's this burden that comes along where I feel like every time I come out, I'm not just coming out, but I'm also offering myself to be a lecturer of like, so this is what asexuality is. Yeah. And now if you have questions, I will take them. <laughs> like, it feels like it's more than just saying, you know, like, oh, I'm gay, because that is something that is represented and like seen not perfectly by any means but just more in in pop culture and it's hard for me to deal with these situations where I know that someone doesn't necessarily mean harm and I know that someone doesn't think that this is as hurtful as it is but it is hurtful and I try to call them out on it and if it doesn't seem like they are willing to acknowledge 
that what they have said could be hurtful, Mm. then to me, that's a big red flag in our relationship. Totally. What a difficult filtration system. I know. It feels like this weird, you know, whole like situation. And like before I come out to people, I usually like test the waters quite a few times and I'll like dip my toe in by being like, yeah, Pride Month, heck and yeah, wearing my rainbow shirt everywhere. And then I'll be like, we love the queer community. And I'll be like, yes, talking about gay media and stuff. And then if they seem to be chill with that, then I'm comfortable coming out. But if at any point along this line, (laughs) they're like, saying slightly problematic things or very judgmental things about like anyone in the queer community be they like especially frankly groups that are on the fringes and i say that in the sense of like fringes because they're not as commonly accepted and represented in media so Mm. you know people who are trans that's a big one and like if there's any red flags anywhere in there i'm like oh no we're just we're not lovers we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor and they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice, so I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know? The Flora app is a safe place to open up, embrace your desires, and find like-minded people. This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities, all thanks to Flora. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories. So they downloaded Floor and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Floor's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Floor App celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Fleur invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Fleur now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. And nothing you can say will make me feel otherwise because I've been burned too many times and I'd rather just not have this be a point of contention. Yeah. What would your ideal coming out conversation look like not just with words i mean i imagine the words would be something like all i have to do is like say this and get accepted but what's the feeling that you want to have or the closeness or the connection that comes from coming out to someone why is it important to you i think it's important to me because like it's a part of who i am and it is something where i think because i'm straight passing people just make the assumption all the time and there's something lovely in coming out when you can be like, hey, I'm asexual. And that's not just me not having a date right now. That's not me being single at this point in time. This is like who I am. And thus it is something which I prefer you not comment on in terms of like, I guess it creates this distinction between being like, this is how I'm living and this is who I am. Yeah. And to me, 
I would say my ideal coming out experience would be coming out to someone and being like, yeah, hey, I'm asexual. And they'd be like, oh my God, that's awesome. And they'd know what it is. And then they'd be like, in the ideal, ideal circumstance, they'd make a a nice like ace community joke, which demonstrates that like they are at least interested enough to have, you know, looked on a forum or two and be versed in some of these funky little inside jokes that we have. Sadly, I don't think I've I've had that kind of a circumstance yet. Yet. Okay. Well, people are learning. People are learning and you're educating many of them, it sounds like. What makes you feel really supported and loved as an ace person? You know, I think my go-to is always to be like, oh, well, what do you like? And here I am still wanting to ask you about kinky experiences because I'm like, well, if you knew that sex was off the table, would you want to experience other sensations just on your body from a practitioner? You know, like, like what would actually make you feel supported from friends in forming meaningful to you relationships? I feel like it is something that is almost universal in the sense of no one wants to be have assumptions made about them or for them. So for me, yeah, I don't necessarily love when people just like talk in explicit detail about all their sexual experiences when I haven't made it clear that I'm okay with it, right? No one wants that. That's a consent thing. Yeah. But at the same time, I also, I find it frustrating that when I come out as ace to people, a lot of the time what will happen is they do this complete shutdown where they won't talk to me about anything remotely sexual anymore. Or if they do, they'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, he's so hot. Oh, wait, sorry. You don't want to hear about that. Is that true, though? Like, do you not? Is that even true? Like, because it's information about your friend's experience, right? Yeah. And like, it's one of these things where I do want to hear about it if it is something that is important to them and their experience. And like, I want to be able to have conversations where I'm not worried that they're censoring themselves because they're confused about what asexuality is and what it means I'm comfortable talking about like I don't think I'll ever be you know the person to go to if you want to talk really in depth about like the ooey gooey feelings you feel when you have like a crush on someone and it's just I'm not a great person to talk to because I'm just like I don't get it yeah it sounds boring for you Fundamentally, I I have trouble understanding. But at the same time, that doesn't mean I won't try. And that doesn't mean I'm not interested. It just yeah. means that maybe don't rely on me as your point person for that kind of support. I mean, nobody should rely on anybody as their single point person for anything. And, you know, sometimes people we love get excited about something that's a little boring to us and we can hang with that excitement. And it's like, but that's not the crux of a relationship necessarily. So what would the ideal be like? Like you would, it sounds like there could be some room for sharing, but then also maybe there's more space for them to be curious about your experience. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't want to ask because they don't want to come off as being unaware or especially with the increasing awareness about like how tokenism creates this burden of explaining yeah peekaboo for the audience before we started this conversation i was like i don't want to tokenize you but i do want to ask you lots of questions so we'll just figure it out and you can tell me if you know and if i'm offensive on live we can fix it in real time so we can have examples about how to talk to each other so it's so much of it is just consent because i speaking from my personal experience i am totally happy to 
elaborate and explain and be, you know, again, this open, safe space for people to ask all the questions they want. But at the same time, that isn't my job. It is something that I consent to. It is a gift that I provide. It is not my obligation. Yeah. And I think people increasingly feel like they don't want to even ask if I'm open to that because they're like, oh God, I don't want to make her feel obligated. I don't want to do that. But it's one of these things where for me, it's actually, I'm more than happy to talk about it. I love talking about it and sharing with it as long as the other person comes to the conversation with an open mind and genuine curiosity. Yeah. I I think for me, it's, it's one of these things where I'm like, I don't have issues talking about sex necessarily if at all. And I wish there wasn't that misconception. But in general, I would prefer if there was less like culture and humor that was reliant on an understanding of sex and sexual attraction. Well, okay. So that's a really good point. And I think my observation on that to get a little more specific is there are these specific shared assumptions that are not accurate. That's the reason I don't understand a lot of TV. And even even earlier when you were talking about the idea of being straight passing, you know, I, I'm straight passing, even though I shaved my head, nobody can fucking figure out that I'm pansexual as fuck and like very, very horny. But they just assume that I'm like straight and like waiting for a husband to come find me because I'm single. So it's like, it's just the default. Like it just, when it just means the default, it's like wild. So it's those assumptions that, I understand why assumptions are helpful and useful, but we are also increasingly in a world where all cultures are overlapping and we actually don't have a common language. And so that's why I'm really excited to have like a little more in-depth conversations because, oh my, look what happened to the world when we started to get all connected but didn't have good communication skills, polarization. So do you want to play a game? Feel free to say no. To show people that you can talk about sex, but like maybe these are your feelings. What if I just go through all the questions and we rapid fire and you just like give your like, one word or one sentence kind of like initial thought and just as unrefined as you want. Does that feel fun for you? Yeah. I'm just going to ask you anything that we haven't already covered that feels relevant. Did you learn about consent growing up? Only in the sense of if you're not kicking and screaming, then you actually want it deep down. (sighs) Have you ever had an experience of explicit consent that is, this might be hard, very sexy in quotes to you? No. Great. We don't need a version of a safer sex conversation. Well, actually, this is an assumption. I made an assumption. You said you've had sex. I guess we should talk about that. (laughs) Did you have a safer sex conversation with it? Yeah, I didn't feel that awkward about it. Mainly because for me, it was like one of these things where like sex wasn't a given. Sex was sort of like, okay, sure, I guess. It was sort of like an added bonus almost. And for me, it was very easy for me to be like, yeah, not going to happen if it's not safe. It was easy in that sense. Okay. And just to interrupt our rapid fire for a little bit of detail, have you had sex more than once with a partner? Is it something you repeated just to try with multiple partners? Yeah. So I've had sex a number of times only with one partner. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. That being said, a lot of the time, I think it did feel like a little bit of a burden or obligation and this immense feeling of guilt when I didn't want to have it all the time. Mm, Okay. So... It's hard. I think now I'm happier not having sex and not feeling that burden and having the freedom of like being like, yeah, don't think I'll do it today. That's cool. Great. Okay. Do you touch yourself at all ever? 
Sometimes, not often, probably about once a month. And I only started when I was like 18 because I had no desire beforehand. And then it was one of these things where all of my friends were like, oh my God, but you're missing out. Like, how do you know you won't like it until you've you've done it? And so I like went into it with this mindset of like, God damn it, I'm going to practice it until I like figure out what they're talking about. And then I can prove them all wrong. And it's like, it was a rough year, basically, of me being like, I don't get it. I don't get what I should be doing right now. Uh-huh. I don't understand any of this. Nothing is coming naturally. And now it's like, if I'm really feeling like it, sure. But also don't need it. Okay. Wait, so do you orgasm? Do you care about orgasms at all? Do they feel arousing? Like, it sounds like you sort of have to, like, work up some energy to do it. Yeah, they're exhausting. I think that's my overarching thing. They feel really good. Don't get cool. me wrong. Yeah, yeah. Like, masturbation and orgasms and all that jazz feels lovely. However, it feels like it's too much work for me. In terms of, I definitely prefer masturbation, which doesn't have an orgasm in it. Because I find I often will, like, get to the end and I'll be like, oh, that was a lot of effort. And, like, that felt really nice in the moment. But now I'm, you know tired and hungry and this didn't feel like it was necessarily worth especially because i think people put so much of an emphasis on it in culture like people treat sex and orgasm like it's like the be all and end all like oh my god it is the ultimate pleasure what is your ultimate pleasure honestly food i i love food (laughs) oh i love food too what's your favorite like the classic question if you had to eat like one thing for the rest of your life oh my god probably chocolate I love chocolate in so many forms. White chocolate is not chocolate, though. I don't like white chocolate. Agree. Okay. And I also, this is a weird one, but I love pickles. Oh, okay. Great. Pickles are delicious. I'm always in the mood for a pickle. (laughs) That's kind of like comically hilarious. Like just because it's such a phallic object and you're like, shut the fuck up. I'm a grace. Okay. (laughs) When do you feel the most in touch with your body? Probably like right before sleep. I feel very centered and aware of myself and all the sensations. When do you enjoy feeling desired or appreciated? I don't know. I think now I've come to realize that because so much of my like teenagehood, I felt this sense of obligation alongside the desire that in some ways it's been a bit ruined for me because mm-hmm. there was always this idea of that, oh, you know, like, you're so pretty, you should be out dating and, you know, having friends who are like, oh, well, we don't have people who like us right now. So you should go out and date so we can like live vicariously through you. And so there was always this huge sense of, oh God, if someone likes me, then I'm obligated to respond in something or that I owe them something. And as a result, I think the most freeing thing for me has been over the past couple years, just like, I think putting out this really aggressively ace energy and not having to deal with that and like I prefer my friendship and conversation being desired that feels lovely I love it when people like the food I cook Mm. that's amazing you kind of just answered this one too but turn-ons turn-offs not necessarily sexually but like for me it's like the larger life turn-on turn-off and I guess for me it's all related but like what would you say I think definitely Something that's a a turnoff is when people take especially like sex and sexual intimacy really seriously and they have a really rigid mindset about it. I I really like one of the episodes you were like, yeah, like sex should be fun. You should be able to laugh during it. Because I was like, yeah. And to me, it's one of those things where like, again, because 
if I'm in a sexual experience, part of me is trying so hard not to think about it because the minute I start thinking about it, I'll be like, ew, the skin, the mm. flushiness, oh my God, and stop enjoying it. So for me, what has been the best is when I'm able to like laugh about it and feel like I'm in a safe enough space where I'm not going to offend the other person if I'm like, oh my God, that was so like weirdly, the weird noises, that squishiness, Ugh, yeah, yeah. oh my God, like the slappy fleshy sounds. Yeah, the biggest turn on I can think of is just someone who is non-judgmental and understanding to the weirdness yes. of, of sex and all of it. I need someone who who wants all of me. That's what I realized. It's like you have to want all of me. Can I share a funny, very specific sexy story that includes a funny body sound? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I was recently fucking a penis partner. And we were doing something where I was at a funny angle, like an, an air inducing angle. So I was getting fucked very vigorously in the pussy, which is a thing that, you know, can. and then I like switched positions and I think we switched to like a legs up position, you know, something that where there was like lots of queefing, lots of queefing happening. And it just kept going like, but we were also like really kind of like having a good time. And like, it was like, but I'm also like never too, I mean, I get serious in the, that like, I'm like, ah. I don't know. I like sex. I stopped using my brain brain, but I'm also always a little bit like I'm always on the edge of telling you an anecdote or a fact. And so with this partner in particular, I just kept going. She loves you. She's talking to you. Oh, my God. She's got so much to say. <laughs> but I was also like still in sexy mode and it was so fun. And like it didn't stop or ruin the moment. It just turned everything into like a delightful playful blur and then yeah it was amazing so i love that i'm right there with you you have had conversations with partners ahead of time just quickly because i know i'm terrible at rapid fire what was that conversation like and did you know you were ace at that point or was this part of your figuring it out yeah i've known i was ace before oh I yeah you knew pretty young yeah. yeah i knew that i would say i feel like it's this this conversation that i i dread having but like every mm. time i even consider entering into a relationship I feel obligated to have. And it feels like this kind of like me coming to the table and being like, oh, I've got a third leg hidden under this skirt. Except it's like, haha, I actually am asexual. And then they get all freaked out and then I have to explain it. And it's a conversation I very much do not like having. But I think after that, like it makes the the safe sex conversation feel very easy. And what I really struggle with in terms of conversations with partners is having people understand that, like, I am someone who loves pleasing people and I want to make other people happy. And I'm very sensitive to other people's emotions. So it's really, really, really difficult for me when I have a partner who is interested in a lot of sexual activity when I'm not. Yeah. And I feel very, very guilty about it. And mm. It's something where even if the partner doesn't necessarily want me to feel that way, it's still going to happen. Hmm. And it's something where like, I would love to be in a somewhat open relationship where if I were in a romantic relationship with someone, they could go off and be sexual with like whomever they wanted in a hopefully safe and healthy way. Yeah. Because in many ways, it's this mindset of like, good, I wouldn't have to deal with it. Like it would take a weight off of my chest yeah. but unfortunately a lot of the the people I've met have real conceptual issues with that mm. or they'll be like but I just want you and I'm like well that's lovely and very mm -hmm. flattering but that's not 
a good solution. Not if they want to have sex a lot. Like they can't just like make you have. Yeah. I have a version of that where people are like, I love you. And I'm like, okay, well, this is how I am. I love lots of people and I don't really need to be in a relationship. And if I am, here's what love looks like to me. And they're like, but that's not what I want. And I'm like, okay, bye. (laughs) I'm a big believer that like, yes, relationships have compromise. Yeah. But like, you shouldn't both be compromising so much that like you grow to resent each other. And for me, it's one of these things where I get really frustrated because again, so many of the, especially the men who I have been involved with have been like, oh, well, that's fine. You know, I would never ask you to change. I'll just change myself for you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Both both are not good options. Right. I don't want you to do that. If you want the sex, you should have the sex. I don't want you to be unhappy. And I don't care if you are saying that it wouldn't matter to you because it obviously does. And this is not going to be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. That's when it starts to just feel like, oh, we just don't have trust in this relationship. Okay. Yeah. Anything to say about sexting nudes or porn? I don't sext. Don't take nudes. I have like very little interest. Porn. I went through like a couple months in probably grade seven where I watched a decent amount of porn. And it was literally because I wanted to understand how sex worked. What were the mechanics? How did it fit? I don't get it. And so then I watched it for a couple months. I was like, okay, I think I understand how the thing goes in the thing now, but I don't understand why, but that's okay. And like, since then, that is the one and only time I've looked at porn in terms of it was this phase of my life and yeah, have had zero to no interest in it since. Okay. Sex toys and or kink curiosities? Not really. Closest thing to something kinky that I'd be into is like we talked about, like just general sensation sort of exploration and play yeah that sounds lovely that sounds like something i could be into gentle ones or do would you want to try intense ones probably not want to try intense ones yeah potentially if i found a partner who i trusted and felt comfortable with down the line i'd be open to trying it but realistically i don't think i have that kind of trust for anyone or the space to like make that kind of trust right now I feel like I know the answer to this, but like, don't want to make assumptions. Group sex and play parties? No, not really my my thing. Again, just like, I am, I'm very much an introvert and mm-hmm. I have a fair amount of social anxiety as well. And I just don't like big groups or crowds of people or anything like that. And it feels like that would just be so much more stressful. So as of now, no. What if in a theoretical world we had, say there was this, I don't know, full service creativity resort in the middle of nowhere in the desert, probably. Uh, and there was like a zone where like, this is the space where people fuck like this floor did it. And this floor, it's a glass floor slash ceiling. And you have like edges. So it's a maze on top. And so you could be like alone, but also spy on people. Would you be interested in it if there were like, quiet hidey holes that you could like voyeur at not like to touch yourself or anything but just for curiosity's sake i feel like in some ways yeah okay just doing research (laughs) just curious No, no, no. (laughs) part of the reason why i definitely started listening to your podcast and why i really enjoy it is because i'd be like huh interesting like it's one of these things where i feel like sex is such a huge part of our culture and i want to be able to at least understand some of it. Me too. In a way that I can right now. So listening to your podcast has definitely stemmed from a sort of voyeuristic. Me being like, hmm, 
is this really what the people do? Huh. Interesting. And I think from that kind of a sense of like me viewing through my my one-way glass, I could be like, like with my bowl of popcorn being like, huh, like, wow, that's an interesting position. That's, whoa, that's flexibility. Huh. Like, from that kind of a sense of things, I'm a curious person. For sure. I I would be fine to watch like that, but I don't think I would find it like arousing or sexy or like something where I'm going to touch myself from. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about you touching yourself from looking. It's just about like, would that be uh, mentally or stimulating in some way? Um, Have you had sex dreams? I haven't had sex dreams in the conventional sense. I would say my dreams that have sex in them tend to fall into one of two categories. The first one being that there is sex, but it's like in a movie where like they get into the bed and then there's a hard cut to the next morning or something. And like literally, yeah. So like I, I have like those sort of PG 13 dreams where it's like, there's the awareness that it happened, happened. but we're not going to show it on screen. Yeah. And then the second type of dream that I have involved sex, which is less funny, sadly, is it's almost always non-consensual or feeling Mm. like it is something that I'm forced into. And it's one of these things where when I talk about it aloud, it seems really messed up that I'm like, yeah, the sex dreams I have that have actual like sex in them are non-consensual sex. And like, they're very obviously, it's not me being like, ooh, this is a kink kind of thing. It's like, like, this is not what I want. But I think for who I am as a person, it makes a lot of sense. Like, I have been sexually assaulted and I have felt like sex is an obligation in so much of my life that it does make sense. And I think people find it hard to understand that, like, that is something that is somewhat normal for me in terms of if I'm having a dream like that, like that happens. I'm a very vivid dreamer. I remember my dreams almost all the time. But I have never had like the the classic kind of sex dream where i don't know there's detail and you do the deed especially in health class like learning about you know when boys have wet dreams i was like what is that a thing i had the same like surprise when i learned about wet dreams although i think i was a lot older it's so interesting because my sex dreams I'm often left like trying to have sex with someone or getting rejected by someone or like, you know, like the, and those are kind of my formative experiences around sex for the ones that you have that are sort of like that romantic movie cut. Does the dream include the feeling of intimacy that you actually do like? Kind of. Yeah. I would say like, it would usually include the feeling of like, ah, this is going to be nice. Mm. And then like getting into a bed and then again, hard cut to the next morning. And I can be like, ah, yes. Yeah. It was just nice sleepy cuddle times. Yeah. Great. But also there is like usually the context in the dream will be like, oh yes, there was the sex. It happened. When they say sex, they're they're meaning cuddle times, because that's what I'm into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit? We didn't actually get details about the intimacy and what you like crave and like. Like humans are social creatures. And I think with the pandemic, so many of us have talked about how we're like touched our and touch deprived and stuff like that and that's a term which has been used in the asexual community for as long as i've been a part of it because a lot of asexual members of the community feel that when you sort of take sex off the table and that's not something you're interested in it can be really really hard to find 
places and ways of satisfying the, you know, the need we have of being touched and held and Oh, I know. I'm trying to platonically touch people all over the place and they're weird as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. And so I think that's one thing where, like, I like feeling comfortable enough around people where I can, you know, lean up against or cuddle or just be physically close. I love hugs. I'm a big hugger. Okay. What are your sexual hopes for yourself going forward or more generally creative hopes for your life? Like what sort of life of pleasure do you hope to create for yourself? Honestly, I feel like my future hope is just to feel accepted and secure and to not be constantly questioning my own desires, mm. feeling like I have to be in order to justify them or justify what I'm saying my desires are. I think I have spent so much of my short life so far psychoanalyzing myself and being like, am I really feeling this way? Do I really not want sexual intimacy or am I just doing it because, you know, insert list of whole variety of reasons why people think you should have sex here. But like, I want to be kinder to myself and more firm in some ways with the people around me. But being like, yep, no, I am, I am totally cool to not have sex and be happy. And like, you do you, but like, I am done feeling obligated. And I think that would be my ideal future. Beautiful. So if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of advice, sexual or not, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say? I'd go back to myself from high schoolish when I was first sort of understanding that I was asexual and also feeling a lot of what I now realize was really coercive pressure to be sexually active in dating. And what I'd say is, look, there can be really good sexual experiences, but in order for that to happen, both I and my partner have to want it. And there are so many reasons for not partaking in sex and sexual encounters. And like those include feeling obligated to do it, feeling guilt that you know you aren't sexually attracted to your partner in the way that they are to you, thinking that if you do it enough, then you'll learn to like it, thinking that if you get it over with once, then you'll just be able to stomach it for the rest of your life and like camouflage amongst the allosexuals, being told I owe it to friends who want to live vicariously through me, being told that like women naturally aren't as into sex as as men are and therefore I need to like be more feminist by being more sexual. And then like the biggest one is just, you know, believing that I will never find love or happiness without sex and that I'll always feel lonely if I don't conform because these are all things that I very much felt throughout the past, you know, 10 years. And I think it really hurt me. And I would love to be able to tell the younger version of me that like sex is good, great, but it's good when you're ready and excited for it. And when you feel comfortable, like, yes, you might get anxious. Yes, you might have nerves. But if you trust your partner and like you are able to be open and honest with them, then it could be a good time. But don't rush it and don't feel like you have to do it just because everyone else around you is doing it. It's not a bucket list item. You don't need to like tick it off and then be like, great, done. I am a normal teenager. We get to write our own bucket lists. Exactly. And you know what? My bucket list still to this day is having a kick-ass recipe for vegan macarons. 
and I'll get there. Amazing. Amazing. <sighs> Ivy, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Well, thank you so much for, for having me. I know I'm not the usual type of guest. You're perfect. Do you have a sex or creativity question for me? I would love to know what sexual attraction feels like to you. Mm. Like, what is your experience with it? How do you know when you are sexually attracted to someone? How detailed of an answer do you want? Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.